Drumming. This is the Working Drummer Podcast, featuring conversations with ground-level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music. Hey everyone, this is Matthew Krause, and you are listening to the podcast Working Drummer. Today, my guest is drummer, writer, and producer from Nashville, Kyle May. Kyle currently plays for Maddie and Tay. In the past, he's worked for people like Billy Ray Cyrus, Runaway June, Carlton Anderson, and Maddie Larkin, as well as many others, including Kelsey Ballerini, Lacey Cavalier, Seth Alley, April Cree, and Brandon Lay, opening up for artists like Rascal Flatts, Thomas Rhett, Lady A, Dwight Yoakam, and many more. Kyle currently records from his home studio in the heart of Nashville, but still takes advantage of world-renowned studios in town. So if you want to support what Zach and I do here on the podcast, you can join Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash working drummer, where as little as a dollar a month gets you access to all this educational content that we've been creating over the years with past guests. All these things are really helpful and usable on the gig or whatever the situation is, and we're always adding new content. If Patreon isn't your thing, you can make a one-time donation through our PayPal account. You can find that at workingdrummer.net. So Kyle is one of those players that I discovered online. His skill set in getting amazing modern drum sounds in his home studio really resonated with me. And I thought, hey, I've got a podcast. Uh, Here's a great excuse to go over to this guy's studio and uh, see what he's doing, especially when I found out that he was in Nashville that I didn't know before. So uh, it was really kind of a fun discovery of him and then to find out he didn't know much about us. And so it was a great way to connect. Uh, He does talk about sending tracks raw, but he also talks about sending tracks that have been processed. And a lot of the people that he works with have expected that from him, which I find interesting and and somewhat different than what I normally do. And so after the interview, I was wondering about the use of something like reverb that my understanding is you should use a certain type of reverb consistently throughout the track so it makes it sound like the whole band is in the room. And I'm like, why would he send process tracks with that? It's probably not right. So I ended up texting him about that or calling him and he responded so i'm going to play that response here right now and then maybe in the conversation in the interview it will make sense to you later down the road here in the interview hey when i send tracks i don't do reverb on them and if i do uh my reverbs are on like return tracks so if somebody wants the reverb, then I can print that and I'll send it to them as an audio file or a, a wave file. But I don't typically put verbs on like my actual tracks, like my snare top. I wouldn't put a verb plug-in and like do the wet and dry thing. I just put a, a plug-in on a return track and then send whatever drums I want to that. And then if they want it, I will print that. Although, if you're asking if I do reverb on, like, a reference track, like if I'm sending a two-mix for approval, like, yes, I'll send it all, you know, together as the as the thing. So there you have that. I um, hope that makes sense, or it will in due time. But I hope you enjoy this conversation with Kyle May.
late 2000s. Like, remember those little pre-Sonus yeah. little audio boxes? Mm-hmm. You know, buying one of those from Guitar Center and the cheapest mics I could find, recording mm-hmm. in my basement at home yeah. in North Carolina. <laughs> so, <laughs> we've come so far from one basement to another. <laughs> 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 yeah. Wait, so. we're in the we're in a basement again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What like, a great Wait, uh, I just realized. <laughs> yeah. What a great graduation. Like I've worked so hard just to be back in a basement. <laughs> uh but yeah, so like that's kind of where my interest in recording came from was just doing it on my own. Yeah. And then once I realized, oh, like you can get a degree in this. That was awesome. And I went to school, and there was, like, so much more math <laughs> involved, <laughs> math and science, than I thought there would be. Yeah. So I uh, was not very good at that. I was good at the musical aspects of audio engineering, but I wasn't good at, like, you know, uh, acoustics or, like, physics for acoustics or just, like, uh, any of the... I don't know. What would you have to do? Like all the electronics and circuitry and all of that. I just. So that was part of the degree is getting underneath the hood and figuring out that stuff. Yeah. Why it does what it does. Yeah. Yeah. Like there were different courses you could take like studio maintenance, um, which was like really cool in theory. But of course, like I just I was just bad at that. So like music theory and aural skills was easier for me than like okay you know circuitry and yeah math <laughs> so this is interesting uh, my, a friend of mine just retired from the navy and uh he was given some money to go back to school and so he's like i can study anything that i want yeah. i'm at a point in my life i'm pretty much retired so i'm going to school for engineering he played guitar went to, we we knew each other in college for music and he played guitar in the Navy for like 25 years. So he is essentially starting from scratch when it comes to technology and running a DAW and understanding Pro Tools and everything oh, like that. Oh, sure, yeah. In a program at MTSU with 22-year-olds right. that grew up with laptop. Right. And understand that stuff, but maybe don't understand the music side or the experience side. So I've done some projects with him for school where it's him and his, you know, project partner there uh, recording some music. And uh, it's really fascinating because you see the combination of the two is great, but individually one comes from different worlds. And it sounds like you kind of came up with both. There's some parallels between your interests yeah, for sure. It's almost like the the kids, and I guess I group my group myself in with them, um, like who knew life before the internet, and then also life with the internet, but still in like their growing years. Yes, you know, or like getting your cell phone, um, you know, as a as a teenager versus like going your entire life without a cell phone, and then you know you turn thirty and you're like, oh, okay, I'll get a cell phone, yes. and like. So like you're like it's equally as useful, but the I guess the <laughs> the person behind it just decides how they want to use it or how useful it is to them. Yeah. Uh, so I I mean I guess that would be my parallel with uh, you know your friend who uh, he he knows all of this stuff, but he just didn't grow up with it. So yeah. So like I I was a bedroom producer I guess before 
there were bedroom producers. Yeah, right. Because at that point, it was like, we just now figured out, like, okay, you can now connect to your laptop without having to have all of, like, the digi design stuff. Like, all of a sudden, like, all this consumer-grade stuff came on the market that was affordable. And we were like, oh, great. Now let's listen to songs on the radio and let's figure out how they got these sounds. Yeah. And that was fun. And you could do that without having to, like, go to the recording studio and spend a bunch of money just to, like, experiment and play around. Which, going to school where I went to school, that was kind of the benefit was they owned a bunch of recording studios. So, okay. like, and where is it? Where did you go? I went to Belmont. Okay. So, like, on the weekends, you know, me and my pals, we would go to the studio when there weren't any sessions. We would just dick around and play with new sounds. And it was just, it was cool. Like, you don't really get an experience. And, like, you know, Blackbird, you can get that experience there. You're paying high dollar to do that. I mean, granted, I paid high dollar to go to Belmont, but. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. It's all the same. Who cares? <laughs> but um, but yeah, that was just something cool. Like when you found or when I found my group of friends that was like more interested in going to the studio on a Friday night instead of going out, like that was cool. Mm-hmm. And so then you just kind of were forced to learn stuff on your own. So that way, the first time I got hired to go to the studio, I wasn't just completely in the dark and like I kind of knew what to do once I got there just because we had been doing it on our own for a little right, while. Right. I wonder if you've experienced this. So a lot a lot of people now are using gear. COVID really steered a lot of people into the home studio direction yeah. that maybe weren't planning on it or maybe it accelerated the process mm-hmm. as it did for me. And so in some ways, I've been under the microscope or the microphone more so in the last three years than I had before, even though I've recorded projects and done other things like that. So now when I go to an actual studio, it's weird because I feel like, okay, I've been tracking a lot. I know how I sound more so now. I've really spent a lot of time recording more recently mm-hmm. because of things. I know you're different than this, but I think there's a lot of people that may be experiencing something that I am, which gives me some confidence in the studio that I didn't have before. Sure. And yet, it's not my studio. I'm not hitting record. I'm not f- starting and stopping or figuring out which take is the one or sure. how to, you know, I'm still in that position where I'm just there to play drums. Yeah. And as soon as the person or the producer or the songwriter or somebody's like, yep, that's it, moving on, you're like, I'll never hear that again. Mm-hmm. And whatever I've just done, they're going to do whatever with. Yeah. So are you, do you have that, like, that conflict when you are hired to go to a studio, like, to go play drums? Um, I don't know if I have that conflict. I think the the major <laughs> the major thing is like sometimes like the session will sometimes be too slow <laughs> because like yes. I'm I'm doing my own engineering all the time. Yes. And so like I'm waiting for like this take to be playlisted or for a punch or something. And I'm like, man, if I if I had if I just had the keyboard, I could just do this and <laughs> and get it done. Yeah. You know, um but there there is something nice about just like 
you know, relinquishing control and just like it, it. It's fun to go to the studio and just play drums because the majority of my time I am down here and I'm engineering my own drums and recording. There's also a thing that I get nervous about, which is having the keyboard right next to my drums, the keyboard being like the computer keyboard. Mm-hmm. And like if I mess up a take in the middle of it, I can just stop, punch right then and there, or yep. just like go back to the beginning. Yep. But when you're in a group, when you're in a room with a bunch of people, yeah. like you can't do that because everybody else may be getting their keeper or something exactly. like that. Exactly. So like mm-hmm. there's a little bit more pressure. Um, that's one of the reasons why I like being home because there's no pressure. So if I do make a mistake, it's not a big deal. I can just quickly fix it. Yeah. But there is, you know, just more like sometimes I'll play simpler and take less risks when I go, you know, to a commercial studio or something like that, because I, I just would rather get a solid take make sure everything is good to go so that way uh, there's you know no chance i mess anybody else up yes. so there's there's a different a different kind of of conflict i guess that happens at least for me that's good to know i i when i first started the first time i ever recorded it was to 2 inch tape oh yeah there was no digital stuff yeah so the drums had to be right from beginning to end and yeah. if you made a little mistake it was there mm-hmm. but that was the mentality. And I know some great session players are like, that's still the mentality. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, and especially in a place like Nashville, speed is key. You mentioned that like with the engineer. Yeah, sure. And because time is money, and that is also kind of the culture in which this business is built upon. Yeah, it that does suck. <laughs> Thank you. You go right to it. That sucks. Like the time is money thing does suck. I... I, it just it just sucks. Like I think sometimes it just stunts creativity. Uh-huh. I mean, maybe to other people it'll foster creativity because it'll just force you to do something quick, um, or you're just forced to make a decision. Like mm-hmm. you don't really have any time, you know, to to decide. Oh well, do I want to play it this way or do I want to play it this way? Like you just make that decision, and that's really cool. Yeah, and you know, really great things come from that. What I tell a lot of people about the benefit of recording from home is like you will or I will be able to give you more different sounding takes each time. Like I'll I'll be able to have the time to like change out cymbals or change gear or change drum kits, which of course you can do in a in a commercial setting. Um, but I just feel like that time is money thing is less relevant when you're cutting from home. And I think that that's possible because I can, you know, before you came over, I was, I was cutting a track at like, you know, eight 30 this morning. Oh, cool. And I was able to just get that done. And then now I've got time to do this. And then I'm going to go work on something else after this. And then when I come home, I'll be able to cut some more tracks instead of, saying, all right, you have to come at uh, 7 p.m. tonight because mm-hmm. I've got two blocks. I've got a, mm-hmm. you know, ten, 10 to 2 and a 2 to 6 right, or whatever. Right, right, so right. Um, I don't know. I think uh, I, 
I think this for me is a little more creative down here. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that's only because this is what I know. I, I know this more than being in a in a commercial studio. Yeah, and I think there's also that thing that hangs over you where people are like, come on, this has got to be quick. And so like, man, I really think I could do an, a better pass where I've got yeah. an idea that if they could just let me punch this in, but I, I don't want to be a drag, <laughs> you know, because there's all these other elements besides your playing that you're trying to get across, like, well, he's really nice, easy to work with, he's fast. Oh, sure, yeah. So you're like, and there's all that stuff that hangs over you that isn't there when you're home. Yeah. But there's also not that person that's saying, you're fine, move on. Right, yeah, (laughs) you can become overly critical here. Or the other extreme is you get lazy and like I'll give a bad performance but then just fix it in Pro Tools because I know how to do all of that. And so like that's also dangerous too because then you will accept a less than performance because you know you can just doctor it up and it'll be fine and that'll save you time which, you know, then saves money. Um, at, At the end of the day, you're... I guess for me, I'm sometimes still calculating like my hourly. Well, that's the thing is, is I, I find that when you're recording from home, you're like, oh, this is how much I charge per song. Or this is what I charge for a, a, a session, three hour session block. And, uh, but there's more involved when you're recording at home. Mm-hmm. When you're in the set, in the studio, you're like, I got my part, we're moving on. Mm-hmm. The engineer, the whatever, they're taking on those other roles that now we're doing at home. And I'm like, wait a minute, that one song that I did way too many takes of, (laughs) now I have to choose the best takes or parts of it and edit and then figure out how, and then send a mix for the person to approve or not approve or whatever, and maybe do a punch and do all this other stuff. And I'm like, that song that I charged this amount has now taken me the equivalent of three or four songs sure. in the studio. Yeah, because at least in a yeah in the like commercial studio setting, you once you're done, once you walk away, like you're done with that session. Like you don't yep. hear that song. But I could get an email here, and it'll be for a song I did last week, and they'll be like, "Hey, actually, you know, I, I know I said this was done, but like, could you just do one more punch?" And I'm like. Of course, I never want to say no as part of my downfall or will be part of my downfall <laughs> uh, that I uh, and like, fuck. Yeah. OK. Yeah, of course. I'm going to say even though like I put new heads on, I don't remember what gear I used for your session. So that's been another thing that I've been doing is like now I'm keeping I'm already like pretty diligent in like the records that I keep, but now I'm even more detailed being like, all right, here's the exact setup and the mics and the cymbals and everything that I used for this song. So that way, if they come back and I've changed it, I can go back and like I try and remember those tunings. And that's why, like, even for the snare drum selection, I I just I just try and not touch anything. Like, if they want a certain sound, I just change the snare drum. I try not to like tune anything because if I need to recall that, yes. I want to be able to just pop that snare on and be yes. able to go. That's great. I've done that too. There's like three or four snares that I really like to use in yeah. rotation of of my collection. And if I've finished a song and sent it to the person to check out. 
I will set that snare drum aside or if, you know, if I'm going to be working on some other things, just so I know that as soon as they give me the thumbs up and yeah. it's good to go, great, I'm going to start using that snare drum again. Oh, I see, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if it, it just, and I use lug locks around yeah, where I'm smart. doing rim shots <laughs> yeah. so it stays in tune. So if I'm doing 12 takes and I want to use the verse from take one mm-hmm. and the verse two from take 12, <laughs> the snare drum does it go, pink, boop. Oh, dude, yes. That is so disappointing. Like, when I finish a take where I've, like, punched in or whatever, or I do a comp, and then it's, yeah, and then you hear that tuning, you're like, ah, what what do I do? Is this this enough of a difference where I need to go and recut it, or, like, can I get away with it? Where can I find a sample pack? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I got a guy. (laughs) Got a guy. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's, that's something else that I'm, like, that we were talking before we started recording about like okay if you're touring if that gig just stops what do you do like yeah you don't have any residuals like you might not you may have not been a part of any profit sharing so if they continue to make money you may not be a part of that especially if you're a, a hired person mm-hmm. you know freelancer or whatever um so like being able to tour, being able to come home and record drums has been nice because that's like kind of 50-50 in terms of like my income. And then on top of that, like you said, once you find a snare drum that somebody really likes and they keep requesting that snare drum, you're like, great, I'm going to use this on like more and more records because people are liking it. And that has kind of lend, or sent me down a path of like sampling because if people are always requesting, you know, certain drums or whatever, I'm like, okay, well, let me just sell these. Because all I have to do is just record these things once, and then it just can kind of keep selling if people want it. Yeah. Um, obviously, I'm still always going to be available to track drums, but for folks who may not be able to afford remote musicians or be able to afford studio time but want, you know, a professional sound, at least I can offer that and you're talking about so just to clarify you i was i was joking but you offer a sample pack oh yeah i'm of, the guy yeah, yeah you're, the, you're, you're the guy <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that's to. me um and i'm thinking you're talking about you know songwriters and people that are composing using these samples but you've demonstrated online you've shown how you can use your samples mm-hmm. in your drum performance mm-hmm. which i mean i don't have outboard gear like like you have mm-hmm. but i i've got um i don't even i can't remember what i have <laughs> it's nice mm-hmm. it's nice but it's all in the box yeah kind of stuff and and i want to i want to get i want to get to this i want to ask kind of what you're sending but when i hear those i've kind of like man he's got this gear and he's got it really dialed in at a level that i have not gotten to yet would it be worth it for me to kind of import that stuff? I mean, obviously, yeah, the oh. answer is you're like, yes. But yeah, how sure. do you do that in such a way so it sounds natural? I mean, there's thresholds you can set. Yeah. So you're picking up the nuances and the way the sample packs are designed. I just I have not gotten into that aside from maybe uh, doing a pop track and throwing in something that sure. is, uh, you know, already living in the logic library or something like that but how do i get something that i know was recorded organically and really well done yeah yeah i've always i've 
I've struggled with that. Like I, I don't use samples in any of like the things that I send. Um, I try and just keep it all raw, all organic and natural. Um, but, but I think what I would recommend for somebody that's wanting to use samples is like, don't use a sample that doesn't sound like what you've already recorded. I've heard that too, especially if you if the if you need to blend stuff. Yeah, you don't want to use a snare drum that is completely on a out of left field. Yeah, because then your overheads are picking up your snare drum, yes. and then you're trying to mix in you know this sampled snare drum. Yes, um, I think I, I don't know because I I don't I don't do like a ton of mixing because um, everything has just been. All right, track the drums, make sure they sound good, and then send it off to whomever, and then yes. they'll mix it. Yes. Um, so I just, I, I guess I wouldn't really know what to say to somebody about using samples. Um, I've always been of the mindset of just do your best to capture it as best you can, you know, at the source. Obviously, not everybody can have a ton of gear, but you can still get great sounds from less than perfect gear. Um, as you've proved, <laughs> thanks. Less than a thousand dollars. Man, I'm, I, I'm trying. talking about your video that you did. Yeah, yeah. That was really fascinating. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying, and like I, I get a lot of questions, you know, like the ones you're asking, and so like I try and take all of this in, and, and, you know, sometimes it feels silly to be making Instagram content or YouTube content. Um, but I think it's really important if 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 I really love music and I want people to succeed, then I've got no problem sharing any of the small amount of knowledge that I have because I'm not an expert in anything by any means. But if somebody has a question, I'm always yeah. like some people will feel threatened and be like, I can't give away my secrets. I'm sorry. And I'm like, if I give away something that's a secret, which there's nothing that's a secret anymore, but like. If I'm creating competition, then hopefully that just means that I'm going to eventually get better. Mm. Um, I there, there, you're you're hitting upon a lot of things that I'm getting ready to ask, <laughs> so I'm going to cut you off. Yes, so sorry. our listener isn't confused at this stream of consciousness, right? Of uh, <laughs> kind of slightly tired and yet caffeinated, depending on what part of my brain it's hitting. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I've entertained the idea of of figuring out a way to like really get an insane sound like maybe in a studio when I'm in a studio sampling my drum and then taking that home and using my own snare drum samples oh awesome yeah so that there isn't an interference in that tonality I think that's really smart I think that's really cool because then you're using somebody else's like processing like the engineer and how they've done it and then you're like okay cool this is what I want it to sound like and then you can either implement that or like blend it into what you've recorded mm. or you can like start chasing that sound and be like okay here's oh, how they recorded it yes. let me figure out how to make my setup sound like that okay um and that's what i end up doing a lot too where somebody i always ask for like references you know sometimes i'll get some reference that i've never heard or or you know for like a like a drum reference they'll reference a I don't know, I got like a Hardy song the other day and I had never listened to mm -hmm. it before. And I was like, oh, this is like really heavy and it's really cool. I have no idea how to get this. But then I just spend a little bit of time, you know, chasing it. Sometimes at the end of the day, it just comes down to a mix thing. Um, so like if I'm sending, I'll send like a two mix 
to the producer or the artist for approval. And then when I send the raw files, they're like, hey, like this doesn't really sound like what you sent. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, here's all of my in-the-box processing that I did to get this sound. So I'll send that to them as well to be like, yeah, the, the raw tracks don't necessarily sound like this, but it only starts becoming slamming once you layer in, you know, six levels of compression and mm-hmm. all of these different like harmonic elements to like get the drums huge or like this reverb plug-in or something like that. Um, but I, th- I think it's, uh, I think it is really important to be in the studio. If you find a sound that you really like, yeah, take that home and, and try and chase it. This is at the core of what it has inspired me to, to, to reach out to you for this. Yeah. So I'm really curious to know what you're doing. Cause you've just talked about like you're sending a two mix but you're adding processing to mm-hmm. it. You're processing to it. Right. Is that, what's the motivation to do that if what they want originally is the, the raw, raw tracks? Yeah. Uh, I think, and not to make anybody um, sound dumb, but this is just kind of like how, how we live and how we listen to, some, listen to things now is like everything is really, really loud Everything is typically going to be listened, you know, to your iPhone up to your ear or something like that. Or if it is somebody that really cares, they'll pull it up, they'll download the high-res file from Dropbox that I sent, and they'll pull it up on their studio monitors and listen to it and critique. Um, But I guess my goal is to send something that, that like I think that they are like looking for. Um, mm-hmm. Resay the question one more time. So, a lot of us are sending a two mix of just the raw drum tracks, right. maybe with a mix volume. Right. We're mixing it volume wise, but we're not adding any processing right. because essentially they're going to want the raw files to then do their processing to it. Sure. Yeah. 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 Oh. Okay. Yeah. So like. Okay. So with this outboard gear stuff, which you you don't have to have any of that to, you know, to make the drums sound good. Obviously, first, it comes from the player. Second, it comes from the drum. And this is all just my opinion. Um, and then th- thirdly, I think it's really important to have, like, your monitoring set up. So, like, okay. I wouldn't even focus on mics or preamps or anything like that. I would just make sure you know what your drums sound like through really good speakers. Um, and so like when I'm posting like a video or something on Instagram or YouTube, people will either DM me or email me and be like, Hey, I have a song and I really want these type of drums. And they'll send me like an Instagram that I did. And they'll be like, I like this sound that you did put this on this record. Yes. And so because of that, that includes like some of my in the box stuff that I've done. So when I send files, typically I'm sending um, like I'm sending the tracks with everything printed. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a ton of stuff that goes on each individual track inside of Pro Tools, but there's a few things that I think just kind of level it up, mm-hmm. and I'll print that stuff. and And so like that's kind of what's happening with this outboard gear is like. 
for the kick drum, I'm not doing anything major. I'm not doing any like reconstructive surgery. I'm just doing some like gentle movements. And so that way, when the drums get into Pro Tools, mm -hmm. it sounds like a drum kit. And then from there, I can just m manipulate it to get it to where I think they want to hear it. So I I'm going to take it and I'm going to either layer in a million levels of compression or like put on this cool reverb thing. And typically I'm just going to print that because that's the sound that they asked for. And if they don't want it, I give them the option. I'm like, if you're in Pro Tools, I'll send you the session and then you can just have it. You can have all my playlists. You can have all of my plugins and treatments and whatnot. And if they don't have that, that's fine. But then I'll send them like, because I'll have like a, I'll have like aux tracks or return tracks where I've bust, you know, different parts of the kick together. So I'll have like all of my kick mics into one return track with processing on it. Mm -hmm. And then I'll have all of my snare mics on one return track with processing on it. And so I'll print those as well as send them just the indi individual files. And I'll say, hey, here's like what you were hearing when I sent you the two mix with all of this stuff printed wow. and processed. Uh -huh. But... So, so you can either use those things or you can use the raw file. So I, I'm throwing everything at them. How so often I, are you doing that? Oh, almost every time. Almost every time. Yeah. So if, if they want like the stems, I'll send them all the individual mics and then I'll send them all of like my bus tracks that are printed and then say, use one or the other. Like don't use them both because then it'll be tons of phasing or whatever. Yeah. But, but at least you can reference the sound that I was trying to get that you were asking for. <laughs> yeah. This seems so convoluted and I'm just talking in circles. But I, I, like I, I'm, I'm just trying to get the sound to what they would want to hear. Because if you send them just the raw files of your drum kit, like with no mix, they're going to be like, ah, I don't know, this just isn't, doesn't have an energy or something. Like I don't want them to give me an edit about my playing that isn't about the playing, where they were just wanting more energy, and really the energy was, oh, they just wanted like more reverb or something. Yeah. You know, so sometimes, again, I, I, people aren't dumb, but sometimes you just kind of have to idiot-proof your process and make sure, and this is all just from my experiences. Of course. And, and so I just make sure that like, they're going to get exactly what they're looking for, and they're not going to ask me for something that I've already done. No, this is great because and I've been of the <laughs> mindset. Any of that makes sense. It, it does. It does. I mean, and just to kind of break some of this down, uh, you know, a lot of times we talk about why do I need to learn all this processing because all I'm doing is sending raw files. Sure. That's kind of where we're at. That's the mindset, yeah. I think, in general you're kind of turning that over and like, well, look, I'm attracting clientele because of my skills as an engineer and, and understanding this gear, mm -hmm. even in the box, mm -hmm. even what Pro Tools or Logic or whatever offers. So I know how to work with that in these plugins. And so I'm getting hired partially for my playing, but partially for that. Yeah. And I don't think that, I think that there's a, there is parallel with, trying to address someone's desires and concerns based on their limited knowledge. So you're not like, I don't want to treat you like an idiot. No, mm -hmm. it's like working in a band situation and the singer says, hey, could you do a drum roll here? 
And you're like, uh, they mean they mean a drum fill. Yeah, that could be that could mean anything. And, and you handle mm-hmm. it with grace, and mm-hmm. you're like, I know drum speak. Yeah, but I'm here to interpret and be the drummer in this situation. Yeah, exactly. So with uh, uh, with creatives and songwriters and other different, you know, it's like their job isn't to understand, a lot of them, their job isn't to understand this stuff. Mm-hmm. Their job, it's like, otherwise they do it themselves. Exactly. So if they're coming to you and they're like, I want it to sound like this Hardy song, I don't know what they're doing. And then you send them a raw file. And it doesn't sound like a Hardy song. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of dealing with that right now with with a, with a guy I've been recording with and young dude is just he's really into like this kind of like really heavy processed modern country stuff and so i mean i i've been doing tracks for him for 3 years so mm-hmm. it, it it's working mm-hmm. whatever i'm doing with through the through the producer that i'm working with but but i'm wondering how many more people that are like him that would be interested in what i'm doing if I was able to add that special sauce. Sure. So let me ask you this. The other thing you mentioned was you can share the session with somebody, mm-hmm. which I've been doing with a buddy of mine. He has uses multiple DAWs. I use Logic. Mm-hmm. That's what I understand. So I can share a whole session with him, and he can see everything that I've done, mm-hmm. or he can, and vice versa. You're talking, you're using Pro Tools, mm-hmm. and so, which is has been the industry standard typically and so you're like if you want to you can use that and you're already kind of ahead of the game because you're using what i've put in mm-hmm. how would somebody do that it that isn't using so for me example i'm using logic mm-hmm. and i've here's the raw tracks but here's also some processing i've done and the person's using pro tools yeah and in the window or in, i don't know in the past i've even gone so far and like overworked myself doing this by printing everything or, or exporting all the raw files and then doing like a save as and then printing everything and then I would send them like a wet and a dry folder so like here's all the tracks completely dry here's all the tracks wet with wow. everything in it um, and then once I figured out that everybody was just using the process tracks, I was like, okay, well, <laughs> fuck this. <laughs> I'm going to save myself a step yeah, yeah. and just only sent, start sending the process. Now, inside of like Logic or Ableton, I don't know how you would send a session file to be able to open up in Pro Tools. Um, but I know that like in Logic, you can like bounce in place and like that'll commit all of your inserts right all yes. the plugins yes and that's essentially what i'm doing here is i'm just i'll have you know on my drum bus i'll have you know a compressor and then i'll have on my parallel ba- bus another compressor that like squashes it and maybe some harmonic thing or whatever and then i'll just print those and then send them along or, or if they're taking the pro tool session they just have that Mm-hmm. And so then they can tweak it. So if they have those plugins, they can tweak it. So they can take what I'm doing and make it their own. And it just depends on who I'm sending it to. If I'm sending it to somebody who I know is like going to mix the record, I'll send them the Pro Tools session. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's somebody, because I'll do like a lot of online work for, you know, just people who have found me 
through Instagram or through any of like the Elance websites. And if I know that they're not super experienced, then I'll just save them a step and I'll just print everything and then send that to them. Mm-hmm. I think what I've found that people like about working with me is I make it really easy for them. So all they have to do is just drag and drop and then it sounds really close to a record. Maybe mm-hmm. with some fine tweaking, they can get it better. And that's that's kind of my mindset with like the samples is I'm not giving you samples of my snare drum just raw, mic'd up with no processing because then that would require you to do all of the work. Yeah. My thing is I'm trying to do all of the work for you so you can do what you're trying to do faster because yeah. there's nothing more frustrating than like working on a project and you're like, you got all the creative juices flowing and you're just killing it. And then Pro Tools crashes and you're like, and you're interrupted or whatever. So my version of that is like, there's nothing like producing a record and then you're stoked about these drum sounds and you get the files and then they're all just like really flat and mm-hmm. like, there's nothing to them. And you're like, oh shit. Okay. Now I got to do all this work to make them sound good. So that way I can continue on my process. So mm-hmm. I, I just think I just give them the kind of final product as I see it so that way they can go from there instead of it feeling like they're taking two steps back to have to now mix my drums sure, and, and then continue on their production yeah. journey. No, that's fascinating. And, and, and it, it's, it's inspiring to – it's like I – this gear is it's, – it's, it's really fun to kind of figure out – and see what you can do mm. with the drums. But then I'm like, well, what's the point, you know, right now, yeah. especially if like my role is to just get good drum sounds yeah. and play and understand my gear. And there's so much more we're adding to our list of qualifications to, to be I able know. to engineer, to be able to do all <laughs> yeah. this stuff. You know, the responsibilities yeah. already are overwhelming. It's like you can't get called for a live gig without knowing Ableton or something, you know, yeah. or like without knowing a playback. Yeah, system. just which is which is great because it just it just kind of keeps you on your toes and um, un- knowing these skill sets. I uh, living in Nashville for the last 23 years, I have learned to you be yourself. It's like you you know what you know. There's going to be you, – you just – you're a small fish in a big pond of yeah. just insane talent. Yeah. So where do you fit in and kind of like stacking up these skill sets that you're attracted to, that motivate you? Yeah. And then people will find you, you know? Yeah. I think that's like a, a really important point. Um like I, I try not to be anything that I'm not. Like I, I know my limitations. Okay. Um, like I know what I'm good at, and I absolutely know what I'm not good at. Mm-hmm. I, I, there's a lot of gigs that I'm not getting called for because I, one, I'm I can't play them. Two, I'm not like advertising that I do that. Um, I had a drum teacher in college who was like. He was pretty pragmatic, and it was like, if you're getting called for a bunch of four-on-the-floor gigs, why not practice four-on-the-floor and, like, be the best four-on-the-floor player? 
And like that resonated with me. And that doesn't resonate with everybody because there's a lot of people that want to improve in different areas that they're not good at for music's sake or for their own sake. But I really find joy in chasing sounds, being really good at simple things. And um, I just like that kind of high quality stuff. Um, Again, other folks who want to transcribe every prog rock record like that is just awesome but i i just can't do that and that's Mm -hmm. not where my interests lie yeah um i i like to sit down here and listen to good music and and find cool song cool sounds and um yeah so that's that's just kind of where where like my interests lie and i'm not going to say that that is you know, advice for everybody. But if I were to offer any unsolicited advice, I'd be like, just find what you're good at and and do that because people will find you. If you're really good at this complex thing, somebody that needs a really complex thing is going to find you. Yes. Yeah. And again, even though this is the Working Drummer podcast, like every drummer out there doesn't like need to be a working drummer to be Mm -hmm. successful. Like that's not where success lies for everybody is is to be working or or is to even make money off of music that's just the path that i wanted to do i i loved playing drums so therefore i wanted to make money doing it and this is you know how i've i've found a way to support my family doing that yeah no i i'm i'm really proud of a lot of our listeners that i've gotten to know aren't necessarily full-time drummers but they are just as passionate about doing the best they can, finding new ways to be creative with this instrument. And now the ability to express ourselves with this affordable gear. Oh my gosh, yeah, it's so cool. Yeah, which is great. So I think in parallel with, what parallel, that's the word of the day. (laughs) I don't feel like Pee Wee Herman. Um, (laughs) um, That creating content you've mentioned many times has brought people to you know they've they've come to you yeah found you through the content you've created Mm -hmm. and i'm curious to know about that but i'm also curious to know in the beginning how you got started to then attract people Mm. to what you do Mm -hmm. yeah creating content just to start there it it sometimes like feels silly to me because i'm essentially like recording a song for free just to post (laughs) 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 like it's a lot of work yeah um but i try and like batch it all together so like maybe once or twice a month i'll have like a filming day and again this is crazy and it's not for everybody but this is just how i want to like get work and like be consistent and like try and help people um so i'll just batch together content to post you know however many times a week i think I have always posted content that I'm proud of. I've never, and and this kind of perpetuates this um, highlight reel of social media, which is neither here nor there. Like I, 
I don't care if people are only posting the best parts of their life, like, because then I, I would think it's foolish for somebody to think that somebody's life is just absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I only want to post quality stuff because I only want to be known as a quality drummer. I only want people to hire me because they've seen or heard, you know, my my quality <laughs> drums. Well, ultimately, that's what you're going to get if they call you. You're like, hey, listen, I made a couple mistakes on this, but hey, I'm only human, so here you go. You're yeah. not going to do that anyway. Yeah, exactly. And so that's that's kind of the goal in terms of posting content. And where I think I've I've found that it really paid off was like when a few years ago I would just was posting videos and then you know, mine all reached out and they're like, Hey, do you want to, you know, sit down and talk and tell me about your, you know, career and your goals and what you're trying to do. And at that point I had, I'd really only been playing mine anyways. And then this isn't everybody's goal. It honestly wasn't even my goal to get an endorsement, but that kind of fueled me and was like, Oh, people are paying attention yeah. and they care that you're posting really good stuff and maybe you're inspiring somebody or or maybe you're answering somebody's question or something like that. And so when that came through, I was like, oh, okay, cool. So like I am doing this for more than just me. Like there's people that are benefiting from this content. Mm-hmm. And so that that really helped me. And then I've got a few friends that you know, make YouTube videos and they always encourage me. They're like, people want to know what you're doing down here in your cave. (laughs) So like make a video and it doesn't have to be perfect, but do that. And I, I like that people watch that and they have questions Mm -hmm. and they're learning something. I think that that's really cool. Um, And I should say, I mentioned to you before we, when I first, when we first met here, uh, that's how I found you. Oh, oh, via uh, through through watching, and uh, I don't know how I came across your Instagram and uh, how uh, I started following you, but I did, and and after probably a year or so, I'm like, I need to get this guy on the <laughs> podcast because because guests come to us in all different fashions, yeah, and and but um, it's rare that I seek out someone that I don't know or don't know through another person or through an agency or whatever, sure, um, but you were one of those people. Uh, that I'm just like, and it's funny because I'm like, where is this guy? Oh, he's here. <laughs> he's here. And I don't yeah. know if you knew who we, we were. No, I had, unfortunately, I had no idea. But now I'm, this is, I'm honored because I got to listen to some podcasts and it's just all the people that you've talked to are just oh, awesome. Cool. But, but I mean, that's what's been, again, so we're proving the point. It's mm-hmm. like this content done well, it's going to build your community and, and, and kind of benefit you in ways that you're seeking. Yeah. So it's Meinl finding you. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I'm not putting ourselves on, on par with Meinl. We have nothing free to give you. I've got <laughs> stickers. I'll mail you a sticker. I'll take stickers, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully but, awareness. To but people. again, like that wasn't, you know, that wasn't the goal when like, uh, you know, I was doing all this stuff for the love of music and for the love of drums. Like I wasn't seeking anything out. It was just, oh, I like doing this. I'm going to post some stuff. And mm-hmm. then, um, you know, it ended up working out. Um, that's not the path for everybody. And also like, I have to say, I've been, you know, fortunate enough 
to be able to like acquire this gear and some of this gear isn't even mine i share it with friends um i have stuff like that yeah and so like to be able to have people in your corner that love what you're doing that'll help you like that's really cool because not everybody gets to do that so i try and not take any of it for granted um because there are tons of people that want to do this that can't and i just um you know I'm fortunate to to be able to do this. I will say, like, word of mouth has been more useful than I thought it would be. Um, like, people just recommending me after using me, and then um, I think it's really important to, like, have a relationship with, like, songwriters and producers and mix engineers because eventually, like, your name will just start traveling in More so than, than the content you're creating or, like, the sound better or air gigs. Yeah, I think so, because if they like you, then they're going to keep calling you. It's not like they only work on one project in their lifetime. If they like what you've done for this first project, they're going to hopefully call you back. Yeah. Um, and so that also inspires me or, for, or forces me to, like, keep improving my drum sounds yes. because if I have people that constantly come back to me and they're, it's great that they're getting the same thing that they've always asked for, but I always want to be able to deliver something better than the first time. I hear you. Um, and so like kind of traveling around in those circles is, is really useful. And, and again, I think that's the benefit from recording at home is I'm always delivering exactly what I, um, I think they deserve. Like I, I'm always going to be delivering my best product. If you're at, you know, somebody else's studio and they're like, oh yeah, that's fine what you did. And like, you don't really get to hear it back or you're not in love with what you just played. Then, you know, maybe somebody will hear that and be like, oh, that was an interesting choice that he did. He's probably not for me or whatever. But at least in this scenario down here, I'm, you know, more in control and that mm -hmm. feeds the micromanager in me, but it's, you know, useful. Yeah, and it's worked to your benefit for sure. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you, as far as creating content while we're on there and the videos oh, yeah, sure. that you've done, and aside from the, the performance, what have you found is important? And is there content you've created in the past that you've like, okay, this doesn't fit me anymore, <laughs> and you've taken down? Uh, like old YouTube videos or because it, it's anything like that? Not really. Um... I think it's cool to show your progression. And if if somebody is looking at you and they go back 10 years and they're like, wow, this guy wasn't very good back then. I'm not going to hire him now. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, that's on them. That's not really okay. on me. So I, I don't really care too much about that. I don't think I've ever really taken anything down that was like music related um, because I, yeah, I like the progression. I like if somebody can scroll all the way back and be like, oh, wow, look at, you know, what he's doing mm -hmm. now. Or, like, look at how this has improved. Or this is exciting. I'm right here where he was three years ago. Maybe he can help mm -hmm. me. And that's important to me that maybe I can share some information with somebody like that. Gotcha. But, I mean, as far as uh, the content, uh, things that you're paying attention to, to kind of create a quality presentation where have you invested in? I mean, there's the mics, there's sounds, uh -huh. there's your performance. Uh -huh. Camera, lighting, things like oh, that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have all of that. Um, yeah. 
so I have, I guess I didn't show you, but I have a little storage room with all of my gear. Okay. I put all of it away, like, when I'm, like, working, because I think it's a little distracting. Like, I don't like the way that it looks. I just, I want to feel good in my environment while I'm working, so I put it away. But I have lights. I have a nice camera and a, and a recorder and, and all of that. Um, I That's, like, another hobby that I'd love to be mm-hmm. into is, like... I just, I obsess over camera gear. I think it's really fun. So, like, there's been, um, um, right now I'm, like, kind of producing and filming a podcast for somebody else. It's not my podcast, but I love the idea of, like, mm-hmm. being able to bring the gear and, like, film it and stuff. Yeah, like, I just yeah. think that's interesting. And then um, also my wife and I, we own a yoga studio, and we have a lot oh, of cool. online content. And so my passion for camera gear is useful there where I'm filming classes to be able to put up on our app and stuff like that. Um, and I guess I've just always been interested in that. I've For as long as I can remember, I've always just had some sort of camera. So I've always been doing content that way because it's kind of just all I've known because I've been interested in it. I don't think I've ever really done like iPhone content I don't know I think that kind of plays into why I'm so obsessed with like gear and like this like I don't even know what to call it it's just it's just gear I guess I'm just Mm -hmm. obsessed with it and so that's why I have you know a nice camera and do stuff like that because it's just another passion of mine it's just another interest I don't think if I don't think if I was recommending somebody like you know, how do you get started in shooting Instagram content? I wouldn't say go and buy, you know, spend thousands of dollars on this gear. Just, you know, film yourself where you're at and right. go from there. I was entertaining the idea of sending you a list. I never really do this with guests beforehand, and I'm like, ah, screw it. I'm just going to put them on the spot. I wanted to know um, just kind of some tips for – for maybe people that are are new new ish uh-huh. in the home studio thing and finding ways because and you you bring this up so like some examples of some tips to to update their sound quality their mm-hmm. their production quality um, one of the things you did a great video on that big fat getting a big fat snare sound sure yeah and so within that video you're like so it's important to not hit this drum too hard Mm -hmm. and when you're doing that when you're playing the snare drum soft to get the right tone out of it Mm -hmm. so you're gonna have to tweak you know adjust your gain levels so you can compensate for Mm -hmm. that so with that and i've i this makes sense to me but i hadn't i've heard people say that you know when you're playing that you don't have to hit it really hard Mm -hmm. great i've heard that before and then you're like then you want to make sure you don't overplay that hi hat mm-hmm. because that is going to get picked up by the snare drum that you've adjusted the gain for. And sure. I'm like, Ugh. like of course, <laughs> of course. <Yeah. laughs> um, and then obvious things like reversing the phase of the bottom snare mm-hmm. at the top. Um, and then another thing that I might have done for a while after I saw a video of yours. A while ago was using using a condenser mic on the top head, yeah. uh, top snare, yeah. with you know just with a regular fifty seven, some sort of dynamic, dynamic, sure. yeah. 
and mixing that in and, mm-hmm. and, and or offering that, you know, as a thing. So are there other things that you can think of that would be useful for somebody to just like they can do right now to instantly update their recorded performance? Yeah. Um, I think, I, well, I touched on it earlier about how I'm obsessed with making sure that like my monitoring I had is... that question too. I've never okay. asked that. Great monitor. Like, what do you recommend? Yeah, I, I, even if you're through headphones, like somebody like Stephen Slate or Waves, they offer plugins and they have modeled every type of headphone that exists. And then you can slap that plugin on your output and then it'll correct with an EQ your headphones. And then it essentially like tunes your headphones and it can do the same for your speakers. Um, but I think being able to hear accurately and, and I've definitely, I've stolen this from a friend and he, you know, he was telling me, um, you know, kind of what I believe now, which is if you can hear accurately what you're doing, then it won't really matter what you put on the drums. Like if I've got a really great, you know, A to D conversion and I've got a great monitoring setup and I've tuned to the speakers. I know what they sound like in this room. I know what music sounds like on them. I like, I trust them with my whole heart. (laughs) So if I were to put a 57 on the kick drum, I would know exactly what a 57 on my kick drum sounds like. It wouldn't be a 57 on my kick drum through, um, you know, a cheap pair of iPod headphones. It would be exactly what a 57 sounds like on a kick drum. Mm-hmm. And like, to me, I would rather have these speakers through this interface and have all 57s on my drum kit because I know exactly what that sounds like and then I can manipulate that sound. Okay. Because if you put a $10,000 mic on your snare drum and then you're still listening through your iPod headphones, what is that worth? I don't I don't think that that's worth anything. I I I am of the mindset that being able to hear accurately what your drums sound like is so much more important than just putting a bunch of expensive microphones on it. So all that to say, to go back to your question, I think that's a really important place to start is to know exactly what you're hearing. Because yeah. if you don't like your kick drum sound, it honestly might not be your kick drum. It could just be how you're listening to it. Uh-huh. But if you've got a great monitoring setup, then if you still don't like your kick drum sound, you may be able to diagnose it a little bit faster than like having all of these variables. You mm-hmm. may be able to just simply say, oh, um, the mic just wasn't in the kick drum the way that I like that sound. Or... Um, my tuning of the kick drum was just off, mm-hmm. but it sounded good in the room. Cause sometimes to me, I think drums kind of sound like shit in the room, but once you put <laughs> mics on them and you hear them through speakers, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. You're, you're hearing, you know, something that you hear on a record. And so, um, I, yeah, I think that would be my first piece of advice for mm-hmm. somebody wanting to improve is to just figure out, like really trust your monitoring setup and then go from there. 
And tell me about that Waves plugin. It just maybe uh, like what is it doing? So I've got a pair of Sennheiser headphones. Yeah. And so uh, if I'm yeah. listening to some, because I, I mentioned to you before, sometimes I like to get out of the studio, take the session and go on the back porch yeah. with a cigar and, and yeah. mix. So that way edit. you can have that exact same sound no matter where you go. Um, I think, I don't remember what it's called. And there's there's a, uh, you know, dozens of other plugins okay. and companies that do stuff like this. I'll, I'll Once we finish, I'll look them up and I'll send something to you. Okay. But what it does is it just kind of like a like a Kemper where it can um, it like captures something from the amp whatever the technology is yeah. and then it can recreate that and that's essentially what this thing is doing is it's just figuring out what the EQ curve of a headphone is and then just correcting it so if it scoops out a, a ton in the mid range it's going to correct that and boost it so that way you just have a completely flat so your goal is to get as flat as possible so you're mixing accurately or um, that you know like, okay, I know this guy's going to probably be going to be listening to this through his iPod headphones. Yeah, I, I don't know if the goal is to be like completely flat, um, mm -hmm. but it's just to really understand what you're listening to. Okay. Um, like... Because if we pull like if we pulled up like pink noise on here and we took out a microphone and was and was measuring the um, you know EQ curve of everything, it wouldn't be completely flat. Like sure, there would be a little bit of a bump in the low end and like wherever my mix position is, like I would try and carve that out to be, I don't know, as pleasing as it can be because you can hear even in this room it's not completely dead that's not something i would really recommend or chase but there were just like a lot of reflections that i didn't like and that's kind of the point of the panels mm -hmm. um but yeah when i guess yeah it's hard I, I wouldn't say that i'm going for something completely flat but just something that i know okay um so that way like I said, when you put a mic on a drum, you know exactly what it sounds mm -hmm. like. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, it takes me a while to process this. Uh, you know, it's like trying to understand, again, like how we're all getting up to speed sure. with the engineering part and like where do we where do we go from, you know, our understanding of drums and getting good sounds and oh, tones yeah. to... And, and being a kid growing up, playing drums in the 80s when I first started playing I was so if, if, if there was anything pop I think that's why I was attracted to like older bands because what I heard on the records and jazz was like oh those are drums I hear that <laughs> oh, sure, then you yeah. hear like something in the pop world and it was like what are they doing to that and all this gated reverb and just oh, all yeah. this stuff and kind of going back to that now it's this weird mix of those are real drums but there's something going on there that's really cool and i know yeah. that that's what people are hearing too and mm -hmm. wanting to hear from drums yeah that i just i had this with a friend the other day i i played on something that got released and i was comparing it to the rough that i had sent him and then to the record version that was released and i was like okay I know that these drums aren't sampled 
it's still my take because I only sent him one take. So I knew that it wasn't like a combination of multiple takes. So I knew it was my drums. And then I, I knew of the mix engineer, but I sent it to a buddy who's also a mix engineer. And I was like, what did he do? <laughs> like In a good way? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was like, I was very pleased. I was like, if I could start delivering drums at this level now, then it's it's just going to only get better from there. Yeah, of course. Right? So, like, that's always something that I'm interested in is, like, understanding how my drums have been manipulated after the fact to figure out, okay, is there a new starting point? Um, there's this um, there's this HBO show. I think it was called, like, Talking Funny um, years ago. But there was an episode with Jerry Seinfeld, Louis C.K., Chris oh, Rock, yeah. and mm-hmm. Ricky Gervais. Mm-hmm. And it's on YouTube. It's like an hour long. But they're all talking about how they form their act and like some of the ways that, you know, whether or not they like to sound check or like even see the room before they start performing. But Louis C.K. said this thing that I thought was really interesting was he'll do his act and then, you know, you end with your best bit or your best piece. And then for him to improve... He would throw everything out except for his best bit at the end and then make that his starting point. Oh, my gosh. So then he would put that at the beginning and then he would be forced to have a better show or improve from there. And so, like, I try and take that and be like, okay, what's a new starting point that's better than what my final delivery is so that way I can just constantly improve? That's amazing. I yeah. love that. I think, I it's that. Re- I think it's really cool, and, yeah. and it just it works for me. It resonated for me. It, maybe yeah. it's not for everyone. Right. I thought of this question on the way here. I actually was writing with pen and paper uh, in a very dangerous intersection, so I don't <laughs> recommend it. But it just occurred to me, as I was listening to Conan O'Brien's podcast. Yeah, hell yeah. This, we're making art here. It's all subjective, uh-huh. right? But at the end of the day, what sucks? Like, just what is awful when it comes to recording and performing? It? Yeah, I don't know. I, it, it does like, anything? It's just unacceptable. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I would say, I, I don't know. I would say nothing, I guess. Yeah. Because it was just like, okay, well, I don't like listening to that, but maybe somebody else does. Or maybe the person playing it is the only one that likes it, and then so be it. Something out of phase. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh you, yeah. Or if you're getting in depth about like, oh, I don't like the recording of these drums. Yeah. That was always something interesting. Like, there's always the people that like either love or hate the Beatles. Because they were like, okay, they weren't like really great musicians, but like they changed the world. They changed the recording process. They changed the songwriting process. Like that was what was interesting to me. Like, yeah, I don't really want to listen to them, but I think listening to them is cool to figure out what did they, what did they do? Like, what did they change? What did they invent? Because we're still inventing things. Maybe they're all like derivatives of something else, but we're still just continuing to create things. Um, so that I don't know. I think that's why, to me, nothing sucks. I think there are things that I personally hate. <laughs> sure, <laughs> but I don't know who's to say. So one of the things we mentioned is is the uh, you you've got sample packs that you're offering. Mm. Uh, you've got play along tracks mm-hmm. that you're offering. I hope this isn't doesn't isn't a, an offensive question, but are people buying these things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The awesome. the sample pack more than the play along tracks. Okay. Um, the sample pack stuff. I think people just see the use 
for it or or they see how they can use it to benefit themselves like the play along tracks yeah they're they're cool it's a good way to practice um but i think more more so i think people see sample packs and they're like all right this is cool i can just drag and drop this stuff and get a great sound yeah and um that's what people asked for so that's what i'm trying to create is okay what are people looking for and if that's that then i'll i'll try and make it and then if they buy it then that's even better right so right. it's so it's nice it's nice to see that like i'm getting i'm selling every single week like it's just it's it's cool it makes me feel good about what i'm doing um and then there's just like so many more things to do in that world like Right now, all I offer are a couple of snares and, you know, this broadcaster kit. But I'm currently working on hi-hat samples and then hi-hat loops. Cool. That's one thing that I've heard from a bunch of, like, bedroom producers that either don't have the budget for recording drums or they just say, like, hey, this is just a demo. I don't really care about getting live drums, but I can never get the hi-hat sound. And I think that that's... Like if you, <laughs> I've talked to people that literally will program drums and then they've bought a hi-hat and just play it themselves to get wow. a natural sounding hi-hat. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, okay, cool. Well, I can work with that. And so record sampling a hi-hat is fucking insane because there's, it's so nuanced and no wonder we can't get it right. Like, especially on like a V drum kit, the yes. hi-hat is always the thing that's lacking. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. So sampling it was really difficult, but it was a fun challenge. But now I have three sets of hi-hats that I've sampled and that I'm currently like chopping up for loops at different tempos and nothing complicated, literally just like here's eighth notes closed. Here's eighth notes kind of open and then more open and then completely open. And then a few accents, here's some 16th notes, just a lot of options um, that like normally I would be playing live on a kit you know if you're mm -hmm. doing four on the floor for a songwriter thing you're just playing eighth notes and core you know verse might be closed and then the chorus might be open or something like that so yeah. that's just what i've recorded and i'm trying to i, I want to deliver them in a way where they can just drag and drop and it makes sense and it sounds good and um hopefully that's helpful and then hopefully it'll inspire more ideas from that where they're like, okay, this was great, but what I really wished you could have done was this, and then I just put that on my list, and that's the that's the next thing to work on. A lot of times when people are wanting to be inventors or get a patent for something, they're like, where do I go? What do I do? Mm -hmm. And uh, the advice that's often given is find something that people need. Yeah, that will find legs and go. And it, it, and I hear you doing that. You know, through your relationships with people, with mm -hmm. songwriters, engineers, other people in the industry, they're like, Kyle, we need this. We're looking for this. You're like, I got it. Cool. I can do yeah, it. I'll work on that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing, man. I, I, I love that. I want to go back to something I forgot to ask when we were talking about just like upgrading and tips and, and things like that for people. So, again, a lot of us started to build our home studio within recent years. And so we're we're getting something that's affordable and the, getting the mics and all these things. So kind of a hierarchy of gear. Oh, okay. We've got the microphones. We've got the kit. We've got, you know, we're in a room. We're doing this and stuff like that. So, I mean, starting just from the basic scratch, like 
where would where should people invest their money yeah. to get where they want to go? Kind of like before this, yeah. <laughs> make sure this is in place. Okay. Well, I'll deliver this as um, not the way to do it, but the way that I did it. Okay. Um, that I just I hate you know, sounding like a know-it-all or anything like that or an expert. So I just want to deliver it as like, well, we need an here's expert today. It. So thank you very much. We'll <laughs> see you. <laughs> okay. All right. So long. Um, no, I think, so like I said before, so f- first it starts at the player. Like you can hear Benny Greb on the SpongeBob kit on YouTube and it sounds like a million bucks, <laughs> you know? So obviously it starts at the player. Um, make sure like you're good. Um, there was a guy, Brian, Brian Bromberg. He came to speak at school bass player. He, um, would just talk about how he would practice for hours on his electric bass, but not plugged in because all of his tone comes from his hands. Wow. Like, yeah, duh. That makes complete sense. So of course, like the way I'm playing is like, I I try and do like a self mix. So I'm going to have kick and snare pretty heavy i'm gonna lay off the hi-hat a little bit and you know make sure that if i just only had one mic up it would still sound great um so that's where i would start as the player and then of course the drums um a drum kit that sounds good (laughs) i guess yeah yeah um i'm not so much of a gear nerd in terms of drums because I think you can make a lot of stuff sound good. I think you can make a lot of cheap gear sound good. Um, the same like with my, uh, you know, 57 point. If you can hear what you're doing, um, if you can accurately hear what you're capturing, like you know what the 57 sounds like. I think that goes for the drums. So like you can you can know what the drum sounds like. And I don't think there's like a wrong way to... Um, you know, tune drums. I think whatever way you want to tune them is fine if that's the sound you're going for. Because um, I get questions all the time about like, how do you tune your snare? How do you tune your toms? And truthfully, I I don't have like a method, but I just you know you kind of just twist. And you've you, and you've you've addressed some of that too in some of your videos, like kind of yeah for, yeah a little bit about like how like how I personally do it of like okay. I like to have everything pretty loose. I like to have the resonant head tighter than the batter head. Mm-hmm. And yeah, sure, maybe those are the tips and tricks people are looking for. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely have talked about it. And even like the the pillow and the kick drum, like that's probably overkill for a lot of people and I would get shamed for it. But um, but I just like that sound. I think people like that sound. So yeah. that's it. Um, and then, yeah, I think after that, then finding um, like your speakers and your interface um, that work really well for you. Um, some of that, like maybe the speakers are null and void if you have a terrible sounding room, you know, because if you put your speakers in a garage that's just completely or a warehouse or whatever, what are, what are you actually hearing through it? Mm-hmm. Um so I think maybe after the after the kit and then would be, uh, you know, treating your room. And again, you don't have to chase a completely dead or dry room. You don't have to spend, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, but simple rock wool and, you know, a couple of panels just to take care of some immediate reflections that are going to 
um, either muddy your mix or confuse your mix or confuse your ears, I think those are things to take care of. Um, and then after that, yeah, speakers, conversion. Mm-hmm. Um, but if if you don't have a detailed enough ear for that, that's totally fine. Um, truthfully, I don't. I just went to a lot of smart friends for advice. <laughs> well, there you go. And I think that's sure. really helpful. So, you know, if you find somebody that has had success on this pair of monitors and you want to sound like them, then you know, maybe buy those. It's kind of the same way we chase like some of our drum gear, like these like Byzant symbols I've heard or the, the foundry reserve symbols. Like yeah. I've heard Jerry Rowe use them on every record I love. Yeah. So those same were here. the symbols that I wanted, same you know? So you just kind of find the people that you want to sound like, buy some of that stuff and then try to make it your own. Mm-hmm. Um, and same with the mics, like, when I'm in the studio, I take note of what people use on my drums. Yeah. So if there's an engineer who I just, you know, loved his sounds, I'm like, all right, well, what was he doing? So if he put X mic on the kick drum and these mics on the overheads in this configuration, and I loved that, I'm taking that home and I'm going to try and do that. Yeah. You know, so even this overhead configuration, this ORTF configuration, like, that's my favorite overhead sound. So I'm just going to use that until I find something better. So it, it's, so what we're looking at, it's not like an XY thing. It, it kind of looks like an A. Yeah, it's like an inverted XY kind of uh-huh. thing. And they're just a little bit more spaced. So to me, I think it gives the widest picture of the kit. Um, and then it also keeps the snare in phase between the two mics, um, which I like. I, I like when the snare hits both of the overheads at the same volume. So if you crank the overheads, you're not hearing a ton of snare in the left ear or something like that, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So stuff like that I take home. Or, you know, I saw somebody or I heard um, somebody use these 414s on my toms before. And then after that, I heard every mic. I heard, you know, cheap things like 57s and the 604s, which are all fine. They're all great. But I've also had 87s on my toms, but I just loved the 414s. So I was like, all right, what do I got to do to get some 414s? So I saved some money. I only bought one actually. And then um, two of them are a friend of mine's. But like, I'm like, like, what do I do? I just, I want that sound. Um, So I just go and chase that sound. Um, for the preamps, that's a little bit more like subjective. Um, like I can't, like you can you can tell what some of these different preamps sound like on their own, um, but I don't think there's like one right thing to do. So I liked the way that the toms and the kick sounded through the API. And then I have this other Midas thing that I used to use. It was the first like eight channel preamp that I had really ever bought. And I was like, oh, this sounds great. I'll just use this on everything. Really just super flat, not anything exciting, but cheap and good. So I liked that. And then um, when I heard somebody let me borrow these, um, these BAE pre's and I was like, oh my God, these sound insane. Tried them on everything, ended up with them on snare, and I loved them on snare. And, like, that's kind of how I, you know, came up with this stuff. I originally bought these Kohl's 4038s as overheads because I loved the dark sound and the dark symbols. Yeah. Um, 
And then when I was trying other overhead sounds, I was like, oh, these sound more, these mic tech, these sound a little bit more like KM84s that I've heard on the drum kit before that I really loved. So it's just like this constant stair step of upgrades that I really like. And now these Coles have turned into my room mics, which are really cool. Um, I think... Once you've kind of put enough mics on your drum kit, you can definitely like go overkill. Like I have a, a four piece, you know, kit and I'm sending, you know, 16 channels. Like yeah. it's, it's definitely too much, but for what I do, I like to just over deliver and make sure that everybody has as many options as possible. Um, you know, when I, heard somebody do the condenser on the snare drum thing i was like wow that's awesome i gotta do that now yep. when i heard somebody you know burn their condenser at the preamp and like just crank it and distort it and then turn it down on the output i was like that's pretty cool i'm gonna try that you know so it's just all this like chasing sound stuff so that's where i would go with like mics and preamps is just like figure out somebody who sounds really great that you really love and then just start stealing their ideas and then, you know, try and make them your own. Um, and I'm almost positive I picked up that condenser in addition to the dynamic on the top snare from you. Yeah. 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 Great. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think it's just, it's a cool flavor. You can use it when you want to, you don't have to use it or you can use both. Um, it's, it's just a, it's just a cool thing. And so, I think just chasing sounds is just really fun to me and like that that would be my advice but I also know that people don't like doing that like people like to play drums and they want somebody else to do the work of course you I'm know? kind of in that it depends ask me later this week <laughs> yeah because it, I, I think in theory I am very excited and, I, and when I hear like what you've done and created it excites me yeah and then when I look, it's like I've got I got two people are waiting on these two songs. It's like I just I just uh, let me just get them done because I get right. anxious to just get them done. Where I need to find that time to like okay, I don't have any tracks to record today. Right. I don't need to practice. I need to sit down and work. That this is practicing. Right. This is skill development. Right. You know, is sitting with a snare drum and or finding that place in the room where the kick drum works mm -hmm. really well or that mic placement. Yeah, and but for the and even for the people that like, you know, when they dive into pro tools trying to figure out, okay, like how do I like why did he put the EQ before the compressor? Like some of that mm -hmm. stuff that mm -hmm. You know, to me, I don't think twice about because I've been doing it for so long, but I have to remember, like, those were some of my earliest questions as well. Like, starting out was, okay, I'm looking at this thing, I'm looking at this session that somebody did, and, like, I don't know why they did that, but I like the way that it sounded. Look at what people are doing and then and then try and chase that like like what i was saying with what what's the what's the order of like plugins that you might use on a certain channel well i saw my friend mixing something and he did it this way and then um i liked that sound and i was like great i'm gonna do that now and then just and then just take that um i think if if you're trying to upgrade your system and you just don't have a lot of money i think Plugins are a great way, you know, to put more than just a Band-Aid on your mix. Um, I think there's a lot of just great stuff out there to 
just really level up your sound. Okay. Um, I don't know, things from Waves, Plugin Alliance. I don't have any UAD stuff, but I know all of it is solid. Yeah. Um, something as simple as just buying an Apollo and using some That's of those what I stuff. Have. Yeah. I have, yeah, I have Apollo. Yeah, I just don't, I don't see anything wrong with that. Um, sometimes, like, grass is always greener. Like, sometimes this stuff gives me a headache, and I'm like, wow, it would be really nice if I just had an Apollo and just could just plug in and do this mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then somebody who has that looks at this and is like, wow, it'd be really nice if I just had all this stuff and I yeah, could just yeah, make yeah. this thing. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's, it's. And I've had people come in th- that I've talked to and they're like, they walk into your studio and they see that and they're like, and they listen with their eyes. Yeah. They're like, true. I want to use this guy. He's got cool gear. Yeah. And I'm just going to build something and put a bunch of lights on it and like stick it in the corner. Yeah, man. Yeah. Like the waves infected mushroom pusher. Yeah, yeah. Never heard of that. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a it's a favorite. I I talk about it all the time. I won't shut up about it. <laughs> but I I actually did the other day um somebody sent me this Instagram video of somebody uh dissecting what the infected mushroom pusher actually does. So they they ran some sort of test and it's kind of just like messing with like the phase or like the polarity or something. I'm not going to get the technical terms correct, but it's just like kind of messing with your signal. And he was like, Hey, this is actually kind of destroying your signal a little bit, but if you like the sound, like that's totally fine, Mm -hmm. but just know that it's not like a a healthy thing that you're (laughs) putting on this track. I'm like, okay, I get that. Cause he was just dissecting, like I'll have to, I'll have to find it and send it to you. Okay. Cause it's just, it's just a, a mathematical, like this thing that was just like, here's exactly what it's doing with your waveform. And it's just like, you know, completely messing it up. But to me, I think it sounds awesome. So you're like, I'm dude, I just, it. I don't need to see how the sausage is made. I just know <laughs> that I like it. Yeah, now you're sometimes. telling me it's, it's got intestines and like right. lips it and assholes. It had a heart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't need to know that. Um, yeah, that that's a, that's a favorite plugin of mine. I've been trying to use it a little less. Because I've been overdoing it, but I still find it on everything, and, and it's still in my templates. Everything so. in moderation, except for moderation. Yeah. A <laughs> um, couple last questions. So, good resources for people to learn more about this stuff. Obviously, your your yeah. channel. Oh well, your thanks stuff. for that plug. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, you're talking about, and then I'm going to throw this, and we're going to add a little bit of this and then this, and it's like, for someone that's going, wait, what does compression do? Like, going back to the basics. Oh, man, yeah. I mean, I, I, is it just, just jump on YouTube. I mean, it, I, I, it could be as simple as that. I mean, do, but is there, and, and you've mentioned asking friends yeah. for advice. That, that's been great. I've, I've loved that. Um, are there, are there, podcasts are there other resources that you've found to be helpful for you to kind of like fine-tune and stay updated with your knowledge or were you just born this way (laughs) (laughs) um no i've just i've always like i've always had this drive to always like improve and get better um i think it's i mean it's kind of like you know when you're reading the news like you're just like you want to read multiple different sources and then kind of find that common denominator and make sure that like, what that is is true. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, so I, I'll sometimes do that with like YouTube videos because you have to take everything with a grain of salt. For sure. For sure. Um, even, even like my videos because I, I mean, I say stuff incorrectly all the time and I get corrected and it's awesome. Like I do not mind that criticism at all because, um, it's, it's really important to be delivering like proper information. And that's why I always like put out a disclaimer, like, this is just my opinion. Like you do that really well. And it, it comes off very natural okay. and kind of just like, Hey, you know, I'm having fun with this. Yeah. And, this is just how know, I do it. Yeah. And I think that's like kind of how a lot of my like discovery happens is, you know, maybe I'll make a mistake and then that was cool. Kind of like the, the Matt Johnson experience It was, was he was playing something funky that w- wasn't supposed to happen, but then he was like, oh, actually, I liked that. That was cool. You know, so maybe I was sifting through a reverb to find for the drums and then I landed on something completely weird and I was like, oh, that doesn't work for this, but I'm going to keep that in my back pocket for another project that may be cool or yes, something like that. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so that would be that would be you know just happy accidents. Of course, YouTube University is always you know the best. Um, I would also say, like if you're watching things or if you're watching somebody mix, or like you're watching mix with the masters, or you're just even at a, a session, like a lot of these producers and drummers, like everybody's really nice. So if you ever come to town and you want to sit in on a session, like I did that when I was in school. Yep, like I same. I just called, I emailed random people and was like, "Hey, I wouldn't if you're producing something soon or whatever, could I come and watch? You know, I'm a student, you know, I'm just interested in learning or whatever." And like everybody was like, "Yeah, sure. Here's I'm at Ocean Way this day and, you know, just stop by and you know, be quiet. <laughs> and, like, it was yeah. cool. Everybody's... Gonna be a fly on the wall. Yeah. I did that with my son. I called a buddy of mine who was gonna be on a session, and I said, can I bring my son to, a, like, a real music row session? Yeah. And he's like, let me just check with the session leader and everybody involved. And they're like, come on. It's... And they literally put us yep. in the control room, gave us each headphones. Yeah. They were super cool. Yeah. Once they knew that we weren't crazy... Yeah. <laughs> Everybody warmed up to us. Right. And just, I mean, he was 16 at the time and watched these guys record six songs in two hours. Yeah. Yeah. It's nuts. You know. But stuff like that is really important, even if you don't understand what's happening. Cause I'll sometimes still watch one of those mix with the masters things. I, I don't know half the shit that they're doing. That. Um, is uh, it on YouTube? No. Well, some of them, they do, like, smaller clips. But okay. it's literally, like, um, do you know Masterclass? Yes. It's just essentially that, but for just mixing and producing and mastering. Okay. Um, so you'll get, like, guys from Sterling. Um, you'll have, I think, like, Chris Lord Algae is on there. But um, I'm blanking on anyone who's better than that. And I think, mu- <laughs> I think Music Cares offers access to some of that yeah they offered a lot of stuff uh, during the pandemic that oh like, cool you know we're offering this to people in the industry to have access to you know some of this stuff yeah at a discount or for free you know because i know that those master classes you, you know cost something but i mean again we're always it's it's a progression and you're learning mm-hmm. that that i think as much as we want to get the latest rudiment book and kind of build upon our skill set, that same desire can be transferred over 
to this new thing that is part of what we need to do. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you're interested in it, you know, that there's just, there's so many, there's so many resources. I try and be one of those, but also I'm, you know, still trying to make a living because I'm traveling half of the time. And that's why I don't, I don't always post when I'm touring because I, I already do that. I want more of this like remote recording yeah and um but that's why i try and be a resource in this area because it's it's cool you never know where to start but but that's why you know i'll still like i was saying watch those videos even though i don't know half the shit that they're doing it's still you're still kind of subconsciously taking something in it's like everything else. Like you said, the news, you know, I mean, a lot of stuff I'm listening to, I'm just like, I don't really know what they're talking about, but eventually you start to mm-hmm. kind of understand and, and get it. Real quickly, are, how much are you touring and who are you with? Um, I'm probably touring like, like between like this, like recording work and touring. It's probably like 60, 40, maybe 50, 50, um, you know, recording to touring, but mm-hmm. I'm currently out with Maddie and Tay. Yeah. Um, and like, they're, they're really cool. And like, that's a band that I jive. We were talking about this before we started recording, but like, that's a band that I really jive with. Like we kind of have similar philosophies in how we approach music and how we approach music on the road. And, um, everybody's really nice. We get taken care of and like, it's, it's good quality. Like I find joy in good quality stuff. Because so, it's tough it, to be to be way to be traveling and mm-hmm. yeah that stuff has to be in place yeah and and so thankfully like they don't do like they're not gone you know a hundred or two hundred dates a year mm-hmm. like it might be forty fifty sixty shows this year and like that's perfect because then I'm home Sunday through Wednesday or Monday through Thursday or whatever and I can work and then I go and play some shows on the weekends and yeah and that and that makes a lot of sense for mm-hmm. me right now awesome um, yeah so. I I I still like playing. There's something about or playing live. There's still something about a uh, about a, a live a live audience. Yeah, like that energy. You just you just can't beat. And that's why I still try and make it to like a studio to like record with other people. Or even I'll have people here every now and again because like you need to be able. You mean to, to be an audience just to stand around while you record? It'd <laughs> be amazing. <laughs> yeah, that would be funny. But. But no, like to, you know, to be playing with other people, to be yeah. able to bounce ideas off of, like, of and, um, you know, cause it gets lonely down here every now and again, but, um, but it's still great to work from home. Um, there's yeah. a steel player I, I did some recording with and he did some recordings on stone records, the cool. stones, and he was in a control room doing a pass and they're like, there's just something missing. This doesn't have this live feel. So Mick was like, I got an idea. So he went into the control room while he was tracking a steel part. And Mick was dancing around the yeah. room doing his thing <laughs> while he was tracking to kind of get that feel yeah. of, you know, doing his thing. Yeah, I, to- I totally get that. There's, um, yeah, there's just, there's something about that that's, that just changes the energy. It changes the way you play. And we, we were even talking about going to the Opry and playing there and you're playing on Eddie's kit yeah. and it's just set up you know, the exact opposite of how, like, I would set something up or, you know, something like that. But it forces you to be comfortable in your skill set. And then it also 
forces you outside of your box, oh which is really cool. And so, like, even, you know, touring and, like, backlining a kit, I'm like, Oy. this is, yeah, sometimes you get dealt a hand that is just no good, but it just, it forces you to be professional and, like, level up your musicianship. And it's it's a it's a very cool fun challenge that is sometimes not rewarding but generally <laughs> rewarding right and the people you're around they're like you know, like this kid is shit but guess what the artist is not going to know it yeah the not audience gonna, doesn't know they, they don't, don't care know. yeah and you may discover something you like yes yeah you exactly know. like there's just there's such an opportunity there's always an opportunity for growth and like that's what I'm just always like looking for is like, how do I, how do I get better? Um, I don't think you always have to be constantly productive. There's always, there's this thing of like, okay, well, if you're not working and you're not being productive, like what's the point? I'm like, that doesn't always matter. Like when I'm out, it, like once I finish work, like I go and chill because I, I don't like my, my identity is not my work. Um, you know, so I don't always want to be viewed as like I'm always working or I'm always busy because that's just that's not healthy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's there's busy bees and workaholics and like they can get wrapped up in that and that's their deal. But for me, I've I've really had to learn to turn it off in order to like maintain my health and my mental health. And so in your relationship. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like because mm -hmm. if I'm it used to be a thing where we'd be in the middle of dinner and I'd get an email about an edit for a track and be like, all right, well, after dinner, I got to go and fix this track. And like, no, it can, it can absolutely wait till the morning, yeah, you know, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. So I, if, if you're really into this and you're really passionate about it, like it's, it's, it's good to work and it's good to be productive, but it's also good to just rest and like give your ears if anything that I, I i've challenged that's been a challenge for me mm -hmm. and only in recent years have i seen the value in rest and kind of just allowing things to reset so when you come back to them it it, it it's it's better yeah. your, your ideas are just they're just free to flow you, yeah. you've got just more space overall to to just process that stuff yeah yeah yeah, I think I think all of that's a really important. If you want to be creative on the kit, you still have to like take care of your body, and oh take care of your God, relationships. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I hear that. Yeah. One last question. Sure. And this kind of goes with all those things about learning. Have you considered offering online courses? Like, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of who, who does that. Like, we've got this, you know, online course you can sign up. There's a limited number of people can yeah. come in. Or in-person kinds of things, mm -hmm. uh, classes that people have, like a, a camp, a recording camp, or things like that. Yeah, there's, there's definitely, like, some of that imposter syndrome that's keeping me from doing anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, and then also just time. Um, I think the online course thing is is very appealing to me. There are some people that just do it so well. So I'm I'm just like, okay, well, why like if it's already clogged up space, like why am I trying to insert myself into it? But I do know that I've got things to offer. I think right now what I'm trying to do is and some people have like called to like do like Zoom calls or consulting yeah. or things like that and like I think that that would be cool to do. I also think that that would help me find 
new ideas to create content about because as I'm answering questions, even like some of the stuff that we've talked about, there's just, you know, nuggets in there that I'm like, okay, great. I should take that and then expound upon that and make a video about that. Mm -hmm. um, I think an online course is definitely in the future. Um, ag again, as long as I'm presenting it as like, here's what I do, not here's what you should do. Mm -hmm. um, because I just, I, I, there's just never one right way to do it. There's not an... A, if you do A, and then you do B, then you'll get to C, and then you'll get to D. Like, that's just not how this industry works. Um, even on, like, finding gigs, like, you don't go to school for music, and then you get a call for a touring gig. Like, it's just, or some people do. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of value to an online course. Um, and then the thing that also scares me is, like, we're because we're always like finding new ways to do something and finding ways to be efficient or more efficient or finding new sounds like there would just be this like constant okay I need to update this part of the course or I need to upgrade this thing because yeah. like this new thing has come out that's right. kind of changed how we do it yeah. um, so I would I would have to be like really detailed and and really specific about it just being mainly like maybe concepts but again I I don't know. I think it, I think it would definitely take input from people who want to know what I do in order for me to create yeah. something like that. Because um, I think uh, it's very valuable, and yeah. I think it would be a cheap way to get the information out versus, you know, doing Zoom calls and you know charging a lot of money. Because at least for this, I can just do it once and then be able to, um, you know, push it out to whoever wants it. I know what you're saying that that word that buzzword imposter syndrome is <laughs> yeah. has come up quite a bit yeah. uh, over over time and I I, I don't know I, I really feel like I could sit down here and just kind of watch you work and be like ah oh, okay, I got you I yeah, got you yeah. um, as as we're all kind of wrapping our heads around and and using your knowledge because I think it's, it's hard for us to kind of zoom back. Especially when we're we've come so far that this is the norm mm -hmm. for you. You mentioned like, why do I do compression before EQ yeah, or yeah. the other way around? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because it's it's second nature to you, and you're thinking, well, I, this, I, this, I don't know why this is important, but it would be important mm -hmm. for someone that doesn't understand, or maybe even understand what an e why EQ does what it does, or what the point of compression mm -hmm. is, and things like that. Because if you would have asked me, even when I first started and I was interviewing some friends that were talking to me about this stuff and things being out of phase, I was just like, I don't really know what you're talking about. Oh, sure, yeah. You know, I, I, I'll openly admit, you could say uh, that's a 421, and I'm like, those are three numbers. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's, I've come a long way, and, yeah. and I can understand the language now. Yeah. But it takes slow, steady progress but but being there and that hands-on or seeing that stuff is just like anything mm. else so i think that would be something um something very useful if you're up for it um and we can talk after this but if you get emails with questions and you're like oh i think maybe kyle would be good for this like mm -hmm. you can always send people my way or just send me those questions and then that way I can start batching them together and be like, okay, well, here's a group of questions that are all related. Maybe I can make a video on that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I think that would be really helpful. Um, 
especially if it's if it's an in demand thing. If somebody's you know wants to know X, then um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to be able to to share that information. In in your finding, I mean, are you ever at a loss of like what to create for content? You're like, yeah, all the time. Yeah. Um, and that's why like a, a few people have encouraged me to, to, cause normally I, I, I don't like to take like the consulting things because I, one, I, I feel bad for charging people, but I, I just have to, because you know, I, yeah. it's, I, it's my time and like, it's taking away from, from other things. Um, but, I, but it's also like so useful and, um, but, but people have encouraged me that it'll actually be more beneficial for you to take these calls because you're going to learn exactly what people are looking for. And then you can just start compiling all of their questions and then start making videos. And then at least after that, I can put them on YouTube and then they're free, mm-hmm. you know, or that'll add to a course or something like that. Yeah. And, and I, and again, I think that people that are wanting your playing and recording skills, they're gonna. This guy knows what he's doing, and yeah, sure. I've got songs that I have people that need that and come yeah. to you. Yeah, yeah. Find you through that. Yes. You're just not offering things to the drum community. Yeah, you're like showing off that you can do this stuff for the songwriter. Yeah, it's a, it's another part of like the living resume. That's why I try and be active on like all of those channels, whether it be YouTube or Instagram or you know, actually playing live because then at that point I'm, I'm doing all of these things that people can now look on. And if somebody has recommended me, they'll go to my page and be like, okay, great. He can do what I'm looking for. Um, instead of if I'm just radio silent everywhere and then they have to take their friend's word. I I don't know. I I think it's, I think it's easy for people to make a decision to call me if they can see something that I've done recently. Yeah, and instantly, yeah. I mean, somebody mentioned the other day through uh, with an interview, they're like, they just it just occurred to them, like, you know, there's no more cattle calls these days. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I haven't thought of it. I, you're right. Yeah. They're really, not that I know of. I haven't auditioned for something in a long time. Yeah, and it's like, I got a guy. Oh, cool. What's his name? Boop, 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 boop. And they're looking at it, and they're like, Oh, cool. Sounds good. Or Looks like, cool. Nope. Sounds good. No beards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. Uh, uh, yeah. That's it's it's definitely that's sorry. the way it goes, man. It's it's Corny crazy. Buddy Rich. Yeah. Oh, is that his thing? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The classic. I said no beards. I've never actually heard. Remember, it was what was him like on the bus, just like yeah. rampaging. Yeah, I've never actually the, heard that. Yeah, that was one of the things. Shave those fucking beards. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while since I heard that. <laughs> well, man, funny. this has been so fun. I, I was really looking forward to meeting you and and doing this. It's been awesome. Yeah. Uh, um. It. I'm I'm in the thick of it and and trying to learn more and more. And when I, I think that's what just kind of I'm in that space right now where when I came across your Instagram, uh, oh, probably over a year ago, mm-hmm. I'm just like. You're one of the few guys that I'm like, I got to turn the sound on for this. Oh, cool. To hear what's going on. That's awesome. And uh, so uh, it's just like, um, 
so I was looking forward to this. And thanks for for taking carving some time out of that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This. Of course. This is this is awesome. And, and and of course, I hope everybody that you know is listening to this, like, hope they feel like they can email you or email me or something. Mm-hmm. Just I don't know. Like, obviously, you know, we're trying to make a living and we're trying to you know play drums doing this, but. Hopefully, you know, everybody feels like we're accessible enough to be able to, like, pass on any information or any knowledge because what what good is a community if all we do is talk about it and then ignore everyone when they reach out? <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, drummers aren't wired that way. Yeah. Thank God. And uh, it's uh, KyleWMay.com. K-Y-L-E-W. M-A-Y dot com. Yeah. Yeah. And they can go to your website and kind of branch off from there, mm-hmm. find your YouTube channel, sample packs, play along stuff. Just yeah. a, a, a great resource. Uh, made it really easy for me. Oh, good. <laughs> good, good, good. Yeah. Um, but also inspiring and kind of like, what can I do with this? Now? How can I, you know, um, so that's great. And, 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 and that's really what we want to do. We want to make people aware of what's available to answer questions to inspire them and and kind of motivate them to kind of get closer to where they want to be you know yeah with all this crazy stuff yeah i know it's it's wild but it's 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 a cool journey to be on so yeah it's awesome well dude i appreciate you taking the time to come out here yeah awesome thanks man so there you have it my conversation with kyle may um man it was just so much to take away from what he's doing i encourage you to Go to his Instagram page, uh, go to his YouTube page, actually go to his website or follow the link in our show notes. And uh, Kyle is just very open-ended about sharing his gifts and his knowledge with us about how he's getting these sounds. And it's just such an amazing time to be working as a musician in general and a drummer and recording and everything that's available to us through technology. And, and Kyle's just a master at it. And I so appreciate his time. Stay tuned next week for Zach Obeda's interview with Craig McIntyre. That would be part two. Last week was part one. And if you see the Ain't Too Proud musical coming to your town, go check it out. Zach kills it. My wife and I went and saw him here in Nashville. He does such a great job. So keep an eye out in your town for Ain't Too Proud, the musical, and you can see and hear Zach Obeda perform. And uh, maybe even let them know that you're there. But for now, everyone, thanks so much for listening. Stay safe and see you around. Bye-bye.